Welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Monday, August 14th. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico to see all the ways that you could save. Field Yates, Daniel Dopp, joined by the incomparable, irreplaceable, and one-of-a-kind Stefania Bell. Stefania, how you doing, kid? With an intro like that? Well, hopefully not too bad. Yeah. Yes. I'm you guys are being nice to me because you haven't seen me in a while. We'll see how long it lasts. In a really long time. Here's a we're here's the question yet. that not I want to know. Still not about Stefania Bell. Do you, uh, do you back. or Kevin Pulsifer have more airline miles as of this moment? Oh, I... I Pulse has nothing on me. Wow. <laughs> okay. Shots fired, he KP. It. I mean, you know, 24 hours. Good job, but... Like, yeah, I, I think in the course of all my travels, mm. I had one flight that was on time. What? <laughs> maybe Eesh. one. One, maybe two. Uh, we question. had a bag that didn't make it at one point because, you know. A couple questions. Important follow-ups. Yeah. And I mean to cut you off, but you know. I didn't realize did. that private okay. charters were beholden to a schedule. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, yeah. Do you yeah. ask? Does that... That have, the way you, it works? have you seen my budget? It's I learned something new today. <laughs> and when you say lose a bag, does that like the handler who is carrying you from from the Hummer oh, limo? They lost to one the, of the Britneys. They just only. Britney just got lost. No, Britney, Britney, Britney's no longer with the team. <laughs> I'm also I'm noticing on, I'm an entourage of one. <laughs> well, we're going to learn about where you were over the next, let's call it, you know, 58 minutes. I know you were somewhere warm. I guess it's the summertime because. Yeah. You, my friend, Oof. have fantastic tan. Yeah, fantastic tan right thing. now. You know, you want. I have the sleeve lines to prove it from training <laughs> camp. You know, it's like. I mean, let's just say in Miami, the heat index on the last day was there, and people in South Florida mm. are used to dealing with heat. Yeah, and they were like, "It's hot." Yeah, like oh. the players were like, "It's hot." The oh. heat index was one fifteen. I'm out. Nope. <laughs> Nope. For that reason, I'm out. Yeah, I'm not interested in that, Stefania. We're going to talk about a bunch of things. You've been, yeah. like Field said, a bunch of training camps. we got a bunch of injury updates. But before we get started, guys, we get to watch some football this weekend. I mean, like, football in air quotes. We but, got to. But football. Damn. I was so excited just being able to feel like I got to watch the sport that I love. Here's one big takeaway from me. Tank Bigsby hype is not going away, guys. I don't know how to be able to, like, suss this out with Travis E.T excuse me, Travis Etienne in the Jaguars backfield, but I loved what I saw that third round rookie, man. I was just guy that I keep watching, keep hearing a lot of news about a field. Yeah. It's the caveat that applies to every game during the preseason is like, you got to be a little bit measured. Uh, these things. Oh, it's do, overreaction. No, week one. This is, this is, overreact. Shefty yeah. says this often, right? <laughs> preseason doesn't count, but it matters and it can matter more than others, depending on which game you are watching. I think if you were watching the Jaguars game against the Cowboys yesterday, you're probably uh, two days ago, excuse me, you're thinking to yourself two things that Tank Bigsby can do, uh, or one thing he can do is he's obviously a very good power runner. He had that long 52-yard run, I think it was, with great blocking ahead of him as well. And we didn't really see much of Travis Etienne on third down. Now, yep. he didn't play a ton. The starters did not play a ton. So I'm not overdoing it here. But if you are hoping the Jaguars are going to unlock Etienne as a pass catcher this year, Based off what we saw in one teeny tiny sample size, it may not be that such is the case. Glad to see that DJ Moore made an immediate impact oh, for the Chicago Bears. Yeah. Seriously. Big takeaway is just getting like your, right? getting your life yeah. back. Right? I mean, 62 <laughs> yard touchdown on his very yeah. first catch as a Chicago Bear, albeit in the preseason. Can but just a good reminder, he can scoot. Of course, you can re overreact to that. How about um, the fact that Justin Fields threw two touchdowns, but they went for like a total of like four air yards? Can I believe they went for negative four air now, yards. Okay, see, yeah, there because you go. they were, I think, both caught behind the line of scrimmage. One to uh, to just uh, to DJ Moore, one to Khalil yeah, Herbert, yep. who I think one of the things you have to be most careful of in the preseason is when you've got a team that definitely has multiple bodies in the backfield that are going to play a lot. Believing that after one game, the guy who played with the starting quarterback is the de facto starter. Sure. I'll use Chicago and also mention Philadelphia in this instance because Chicago, when Khalil Herbert played, he was playing alongside Justin Fields. People are saying he is the guy. I'm just not totally sure that Deontay Foreman is going to be relegated to simply a backup running back role. He was good last year. I just think that it was probably Khalil Herbert's turn oh yeah in week one right sure. where it might be Deontay Foreman's turn and the reason why I bring this up is that a lot of people made a lot deservedly so out of the fact that we saw Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift play for the Eagles and we didn't see Kenneth Gainwell who has been a training camp standout and 
we did not see guys like Jalen Hurts in the starting offensive line. Does that mean that Kenneth Gainwell is the starting running back? Their head coach, Nick Sirianni, said after the game, you know, especially at running back. So you want to see these guys get hit. Remember Josh Jacobs played in the Hall of Fame game last year remember. and Josh McDaniels used that line of thinking and people yep. were like, I'm not sure I believe you. Well, he went on to have the, the, one of the best rush, uh, one of the best seasons amongst all running backs last year. Like it is one of the few spots where you actually do want to see a guy in live action prior to the start of the regular season. So um, in places where it seems like a guy took a stranglehold of a committee job and made it his own, I'm not totally ready to commit to those players as like, I don't think that it's just Khalil Herbert's job in Chicago. I don't think it's just Kenneth Camel's job in Philadelphia. My belief stands that like, those are probably going to be largely committee backfields, which immediately depreciates the value of whoever is the highest scoring running back in that backfield field. I heard everything you said. <laughs> I'm still just excited that football's here. Is that fair? Of course it's fair. Are you it's, kidding me? You we live for this stuff. It's funny. The one, th- one of the things you hear from coaches over and over when you're out at camps, they're talking about it. everybody's doing joint practices. More and more people yeah, are doing that Yeah, a lot of nowadays. joint practices. A lot of joint practices. And then these preseason games. And they talk over and over about how they are looking to see certain things. They're mixing things up. They're trying to see certain combinations. They want to see how players mix in with other players. You see ones mixing with twos and so on and so forth. They, I can't emphasize enough how much they de-emphasize some of the things (laughs) that you see in these early preseason practices and games because it's for them to learn from. So when people see interceptions or they see mistakes it is frustrating because you want that's when you want your players to take chances yes they're trying to encourage them to make some of those mistakes now so they can worry about what they need to fix yep i don't know i, I just think uh, it gets overblown every year but it's fun to do it anyway it absolutely is <laughs> well, what else I'm do we have to watch these days right like we've been waiting for for in the case of teams that didn't make the postseason seven months yes to watch these teams play there's exciting players in new places there's rookies there's coaching changes that have fan bases feeling galvanized once again like of course we're we going to get hard a little bit excited yeah and, and by we have way, every show on netflix that relates to a quarterback that's right available. that's right by the these way are my shows. and we've seen these work out in the past right there are players who have generated preseason hype that have turned out to be the real deal yep and then there have been players who have looked awesome in the preseason and it's like oh Remember when that guy had like, you know, 150 rushing yards uh, during his rookie season and preseason and then was cut again. But just two years ago, I was joking when I said it, but like I gave out, I've been giving out a preseason MVP these past few years. And I had Ramondre Stevenson as my preseason MVP. Now he was playing a lot, which might've been an indicator that he wasn't going to play a ton (laughs) right out of the gates. But like, how awesome does that guy look now? Right. Right. So sometimes it matters. Yep. Sometimes it doesn't. Yep. It's hard to figure out when it does or does not, but that's part of the fun of this game is trying to be judicious with how much you implement your preseason findings into your preseason rankings. All right. In case there are any questions before we move forward Mm -hmm. with Stefania's injury updates, we have a ton of content coming towards you later tonight and tomorrow with our fantasy football marathon starting at 7 p.m. tonight. A four-hour episode, four hours of fantasy football now. It's a lot of talking. An entire season <laughs> preview that you can check out on ESPN1. And then tomorrow, we have a Sports Center special from 5 to 6 p.m. Yeah, baby. For the Fantasy Football Marathon leading into our Fantasy Football Draft. 7 to 10 p.m. Going to always be a ton of fun. Send coffee, please. It's. I'll tell you what. We're going to be tired at the end of this, but it's definitely going to be worth it. One of our favorite things that we do every year. All three of us are going to be a part of it. I think it's time now we jump into the injury report. Let's do it. All right. You have number one on this list. Joe Burrow for us to be able to talk about. Stefania hurt earlier in training camp. Zach Taylor told us that it was a strained calf that he was going to be out a couple of weeks. And now we're just sort of waiting to be able to see him back. Anything notable or significant about this injury because you weren't here to talk to when it happened. No, but I knew about it because my phone started blowing up. I was on the road like I hadn't seen it. And I'm, right. you know, I, when you see the things come through your phone, I'm like, oh no, what happened to Joe Burrow? And then I saw the video. And I think because we had video, that's what got everyone nervous. Yeah. You saw two things. You saw him pull up and hop on one leg. Yep. You saw him leave in a cart. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody leaves in a cart at training camp, just so you know, because it's convenient, it's efficient, you get the player off the field, you don't want them putting weight on anything unnecessarily. A cart in and of itself doesn't mean anything. Okay. So, you know, here forward, if we see that at practice, it doesn't immediately don't mean immediately panic. think the worst. Number two, oh, yes. Remember that time yes, that DK Metcalf got carted off because he had to take a... <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
You're exhibit. right. Not so all carts are created equal. Exhibit A. <laughs> yes. Just a reminder. Sometimes you, you got to go. You know, and by the way, the practice fields are sometimes it's a long way. And yeah. if it's something you want to look yeah. at, you, you're going to When you got to go, you got to go. Through a cart. Um, That's Nick, funny. Nick Wagner and I got into a conversation about carted being a verb and us being frustrated with that. So he was taken by cart to the <laughs> okay, locker room for the cart. grammar police. But anyway, um, you also saw him hopping and people were like, immediately people thought, oh my God, he tore his Achilles. Well, the thing is that some players are also very intuitive and if they feel the slightest bit of anything going wrong, they will immediately go into protection mode, mm -hmm. pull up their leg, don't put weight on it, even if it's mild. So you can't take too much away from a short video clip like that. Zach Taylor then said it would be several weeks. Mm -hmm. You can't take too much away from that because if you look at the fact that calf injuries have between a 19 to 30% injury recurrence rate, okay? So that's pretty, it's broad, but it's also pretty significant. Mm. And here we are in the preseason. I mean, yeah. barely a couple days into practice, July 27th when this happened. You don't want Joe Burrow dealing with this as a re-injury yeah. in week five, six, seven. So might it be a few weeks because they just don't want to bring him back too soon and they want to slow play it? Or is it really a significant enough injury that if it were the regular season, it would cost him multiple weeks? No way to know that from a distance. But here's what we do know. He was back throwing on Friday. That was the first time. This past Friday was the first time we saw him out throwing. He's moving around. Well, th that is a, you know, if he was still, uh, originally it was Jamar Chase who said he was on a scooter in the locker room. Another thing that might be a cause for alarm. Jamar also made us all panic when he was like, I'd be fine if he sat out until week four. And he was like, yeah. not saying he needs to sit out until week four. I'm <laughs> no, just no. saying stay out until you're healthy. Just, I just looked this up online. Uh, Jamar Chase is not a doctor. Just okay, okay, got it. Confirm okay. it. So. But Jamar Chase, is, you know, he's like, I had a hip injury. He was sort of relating it yeah, to like, to I his. know. Like, don't, right. come, don't come back too soon. We Look, he knows Joe well. We know they have a long relationship before the NFL. I think, uh, mm. yeah, it was basically like, you know, make sure that you take care of yourself. And when you come back, you're ready. Yep. And that's actually what medical people would say, too. So he's not far off, despite not being a doctor. We would all say, delay the comeback until you're pretty confident that functionally you're going to be fine. Because the biggest fear for Joe Burrow is not whether he's going to be back. Everything's sort of pointing to the start of the season if you're reading tea leaves. I mean, we haven't seen him do much. Sure. But the worry is, does it happen again? Just figured this out as well. Jamar Chase, not a doctor, but the Bengals are staying at a Holiday Inn for training camp. <laughs> there you go. So That's when I get it. That but might be dating myself Express. a little That's bit. That's what it is. Okay, <laughs> he stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night, so it all makes sense. That yeah. might be the oldest date reference I've ever made on this you, podcast you with had, you guys. Yeah, you watched that as like a, you caught those infomercials late at night while you were like a four year old watching. No, that, was, like it, that, that was that was the first commercial I saw when my parents birthed me. Like Stop it was in the hospital, it. and they were like, oh, "Wow, wow. Yeah. Holiday Inn Express." Thanks a lot. Yeah. So I will say one more thing about Bro. We heard that he had had a little calf soreness mm -hmm. like yeah. the day before, and he was wearing a sleeve. Mm -hmm. That's sort of you know you call it a prodromal thing, where it's like there's a there's a sign, there's something that's telling you there's something there. Um, maybe it wasn't the best idea for him to be out there. And then if you watch the play, he was rolling out of the pocket and it's that push off. It's a, that burst. Guys can feel like they're fine. They can mm. walk, jog, run, everything. But it's the sharp acceleration, very difficult to test it out and know for sure. Uh, there's not a great test that's going to tell you, hey, you're 100% over this. You can come back and be risk-free going forward. Sure. So you tend to err on the side of time being your friend. Um, and I feel like that's what they're going to do here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, by the way, it was not smart for him to be out there. Because his contract's not yet signed. He should should have waited until that deal was done, like Justin Herbert and like Nick Bosa is doing right now. That's a separate conversation for a different podcast. But um, I have not moved just uh, Joe Burrow from my quarterback rankings at all. He is quarterback five. He's holding steady there. Uh, if you are drafting today and you prefer somebody like Justin Fields or Justin Herbert because they are very, very close in the rankings and you're concerned about the possibility of not having Joe Burrow in week one, which does not sound like it's a significant concern, as of right now, but if you err on the side of caution, you can do so. But he is quarterback five behind Lamar Jackson and, of course, that top three of Hurts, Mahomes, and Allen. All right, Stefania, Cooper Cup, I got last week with the ninth pick of the first round in our mock draft, and I think people are really nervous either about his hamstring or the situation going on with how bad the Rams might be. Obviously, Cooper <laughs> Cup went down at the beginning of August, and we've been waiting to see him. What are the updates that we have on Cup? 
Well, if you want to start with the updates, uh, it's basically that he's been doing some on-field work on the side with the rehab staff. Okay. And uh, Sean McVeigh said it's likely that he'll probably be held out of the joint practices that are happening this week. Um, but maybe that third week when they practice with the Broncos, that might be when he starts to get back into action. So the fact that they're already One week from today. talking about him Seeing returning for joint practice obviously a positive sign. And when he uh, had this, again, we had the opportunity to have a video clip. It wasn't that dramatic. It wasn't like he went to the ground. It wasn't, it didn't look like a horrible hamstring. It just looked like he slowed himself up again, you know, probably felt something pulled up a little bit um, during, during practice. And then immediately, you know, spoke with a member of the athletic training staff and then went into Uh, the locker room for evaluation underwent an MRI uh, when Adam Schefter originally reported it said it could be a few weeks again same argument as for Joe Burrow like Cooper Cup knows the offense by the way in case you were wondering he he knows the system pretty well he he plays a high volume and you're going to expect to see that again from him so there really isn't any urgency to bring him back um I think when you look at the injury risk factors, because before this happened, we would have had to talk about it, right? This is some is a conversation. I mean, he's now a little bit older as yep. a wide receiver. He's a guy who had an ACL injury, came back, had a phenomenal post ACL season, by the way. And then he had the ankle injury last year, had the tightrope surgery yep. uh, to stabilize the ankle. His rehab was totally smooth sailing. They progressed him at an appropriate pace. And he basically came into training camp with no restrictions. Soft tissue injuries, especially the heat. He's been a little bit unusual even in Southern California. Where they practice at UC Irvine, um, you usually get some coolness from the ocean and the fog, but it's actually been really, really hot. Hot weather, increased risk for soft tissue injuries. So, um, you know, there a, a lot of things. I don't really, I'm not that alarmed. By the way, I love it if that draft stock is falling and you can get him at the end of the first round because I'll take him 110 times. Yes. And the reason being like maybe he is slightly at more risk for a soft tissue injury, but number one, one of the best medical staffs in the league, without a doubt. Number two, a player who takes such good care of himself and Mm. does absolutely everything by the book, diet, rest, recovery, he will do whatever. If there is anybody that is rehabbing even a minor hamstring strain to the nth degree, that's Cooper Cup, and he's going to be smart. I will take him and take my chances. Yeah. No problem. Field, he's been a top four wide receiver across the board for all of us rankers, even with this hamstring injury. It doesn't really look like anything changed. Got him as wide receiver, too. I think that people are looking for reasons to doubt the Rams this year because they are not going to be very good. The biggest argument against Cooper Cup has nothing to do with this hamstring and everything to do with the idea that if you're worried that by week 11, they're two and eight. And they might bench some of their key players or turn the keys over to Stetson Bennett for a few games. Yeah. That to me is the best argument against Cooper Cup. I'm holding steady though at wide receiver too. He was just remarkable last season prior to the injury. He's so good. Even better than he was on a per game basis in 2021. And here's the point. The volume isn't going to change. No. So uh, if you're worried about him late in the season, like fine, I'll be finding other people as the season goes yes. along to add to my roster, but load him up for the early part of the season. Totally agree. All right, Stefania, you mentioned joint practices going on around the league we saw that Jalen Waddle ended up getting hurt in one of the joint practices what do you what can you tell us about this because I was trying to read into this figure out how serious it is or how much I need to know you saw that he left practice on Wednesday yeah you know who he talked to one-on-one on Tuesday I don't that would be me oh it was a good run it was good. like the curse you know what Stefania no! probably time Stephania. to go get ready for the marathon it's okay we're good I think you should leave <laughs> Hey, that's a callback. I, uh, I just really got a bad. notification oh. from uh, from BDL. That's the local airport here in Hartford. <laughs> Every plane from here to Kansas City has been canceled for the rest of eternity. The rest of it, that's it. You're gonna have to drive. Uh, never gonna make it. Practice. To- what happened? Jalen's probably never gonna talk to probably, me again. Yeah. Probably, probably super won't. nice. He had no idea. He's got a great smile. I'm just gonna he say really this everything. Like he's got he's one he's of He's got incredible energy. Oh my gosh. By the way, you know what Tua said about Jalen Waddle? He Tell said Jalen Waddle was having the best camp of anyone on the Dolphins. Really? He thought that his camp was by far the best. Everybody was talking about him. Everybody mm. was talking about his energy. Everybody was talking about how good he looked. He's feeling very comfortable in that offense. You know, I just I love that. I really everybody was buzzing about Jalen Waddle. So the injury. I don't think it's significant. He left. There was a play. It was hard to see uh, what exactly happened. He stayed down for a minute, so it was hard to tell if there was contact or whatnot. But he ended up uh, stayed down for a brief moment. Uh, The athletic training staff came up, 
evaluated him quickly at the practice. He got up and walked off the field, walked into the bubble in the facility where they're um, where they were able to evaluate him. So it couldn't have been that serious. And he was kind of holding his side. Sure. Um, what happened because Mike McDaniel talks to reporters before practice. So there was no session. The next day was an off day and the next day was the game. So mm. we didn't hear for a couple of days. And Convenient. he said, he just said, but he, at, at, so a couple of days later, Mike McDaniel's like, fine was how he described him he's fine and so he didn't expect it to be long nothing Stefania, serious so when rosie tells me that things are fine usually they're not fine is this one of those things no, or is this like, no, no, no I, okay I, fine I, is a good one i here. don't think mike mcdaniel was saying it like fine okay like when sure. you're in an argument i got with, you know, I like some of that, that here like yeah. fine you really have that uh, fine <laughs> yeah. down pat you know I, that's I've pretty used good it before. Oh. a little bit of body language <laughs> to go along yeah. with it no by the way can i Sidebar, Mike McDaniel, I want to go to every single press conference he does. I want to go to every session with the media. He is so good. He's funny. He's smart. He's entertaining. But he's also, I think, he's about as honest with his media as as I've seen a coach be. Like, I really, I love it. Kind of came, he was like that, the 49ers, because um, you might know this, but I'm 49ers fan. fan. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I, when I would go out to training camp when he was offensive coordinator, he would do sessions with reporters, and he was very much like that. And uh, he'll use it as a teaching opportunity. So he'll be very honest. Um, even, I just have to share one thing I know. But it was like they were having joint practices, and after the first day, people asked him, you know, what he thought. And he's like, um, if you're asking if he, well, I'm going to butcher it, but it was basically something, you know, if, if you want to talk about average, then I'm super pumped. You yeah. know, <laughs> kind of like it was just an average practice. Average things practice. Like he mm. didn't like, but you know, he, he's got a little bit of the sarcasm in him. So I really like him. Well, Hey, Jalen Waddle was fantastic last year field, even with Tyreek Hill joining that wide receiving core. It was a very different season for him, but he still delivered. I think that that same, same thing is going to happen again this year. As long as Tua can stay healthy, I have him as wide receiver 11. How do you look at Jalen Waddle? I had no idea he was even hurt. So uh, that's how I feel about Jalen Waddle. Completely Perfect. unbothered by this news. Let's get to Javante Williams. Javante Williams, yeah. Stefania. This is These are the, the ones that are interesting one. here. Yep. Let's talk about the ones that seem like they could actually impact the season because these are like, these are what I call Stefania as an analyst, kind of like the no win zone, right? Because like, I don't know that anybody including the people involved directly in the matter, know exactly what to expect mm. over the next month. Crystal balls don't go that far out when you have a multiple ligament tear like Javante Williams did. So what do we need to know about the Broncos running back? I, I think you need to know that you need to stay watching closely for the next couple of weeks. Everything so far has really been pretty seamless for Javante Williams. And when you consider the nature of his injury, it does come as a bit of a surprise. It was a very complicated injury towards ACL, also his LCL, the lateral collateral ligament, um, and had damage to what we call the posterior lateral corner, PLC. Basically, all the soft tissue on the back outer corner of your knee that reinforces knee stability. So think of two of the four main knee ligaments that stabilize your knee and all the reinforcing structures on the outside corner of your knee. All of that was torn and had to be reconstructed. It's typically, you think, somewhere like it can be 12 to 18 months sometimes before a player comes back no way. from something like that. Exactly. So now you start thinking, yeah. we're looking at 10 months. That feels quick. Now, you can give the player a ton of credit. He's worked very, very hard. I've heard nothing but great things about him. Sean Payton has been aggressively optimistic about Javon. Called him 100% three days ago. Like, aggressively optimistic. Yeah, and that's the part that makes you nervous. Right, Um, so that's the question. Because you're expecting... There's people, they're the medical people. Mm-hmm. You're expecting them to sort of be the check rein and keep everything in balance. Here's what I'll say about his work so far. Uh, he didn't start on the pup list, which I think people got excited about. But remember, sometimes that's done so players can participate in practice. They might do one rep in the team drills, but they're out there and they're watching and they're learning. And so that's a way of keeping them involved, even if they're not doing much. Yeah. His reps have been very guarded. Jeff Legwold who covers the Broncos for us and is so excellent, has been out there watching his workload and said it does appear to be very steadily graduated. So again, they're not doing anything crazy. Mm. They've been bringing him back slowly. Now comes the time where what's going to happen when he gets into contact. Are we going to see him uh, with joint practices? Sean Payton said that he expects him to play some preseason snaps. It makes me nervous, but at the same time, if he's ready That's what I want to see. I want to see him engage in the preseason because 
every player that I include this trip, I really heard it from players, the mental toughness, the, the recovery, the confidence after a major injury is the hardest thing to get back. The only way to get it back is to start playing real football. So if they really think that he will be available He's week ready. one and by available, by the way, it might mean in uniform playing a couple snaps. We don't know. Wait, but splitting it, time. It, yeah, with oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. Th- this guy's not getting the full workload out of the gate. That I don't believe. But preseason snaps will be critical um, for me to see. So I, I think, look. It, it, it looks like he's on this track. They said week one before, and we didn't believe them. I still don't know what week one means. And if you're looking for fantasy production, I'm not counting on it early because there's just – it would not be smart mm. for him to come in and be the guy the that entire quickly, time. Right that off the quickly. Jump. And yeah. I don't think they're going to do that to him given how measured they've been so far. Why would they throw that out the window, especially knowing that he's in a situation where he is uh, on on a quicker recovery pace than some? No two ways about this, though, with Javante Williams. If you draft him, he's going to run running back 30 right now at ADP. You have to have a plan because you can't plan on Javante Williams with 100 percent certainty being a weekly fixture at the beginning of the year. You can't. You just can't. He's he's, there's just too much uncertainty. So what you have to do is you have to, whether it's. Samaj P. Ryan, his presumptive backup slash mm-hmm. maybe fill-in starter we at the beginning of the season. In his last game. Yep. Whether it's Jamal Williams, the presumptive starter in New Orleans for three games until Alvin Kamara returns. Whether it's a guy who you think has like less upside but has a certain role. Brian Robinson Jr. for the Commanders. You have to have somebody in place until Javante Williams is a fully formed version of himself. And when I say fully formed... I don't mean that he's a guarantee to ever get back to like a top 15 play every single week this season. There's a chance that what we realize is that, hey, while he is available in week one and while he is perhaps recovering slightly faster than maybe the initial outlook, he still is coming off of a major injury and the Broncos are still going to play the long game and utilize him as more of a committee member than a lead back this season. You don't have to rely on uh, on Javante Williams if you're drafting him as running back 30 for the first couple of weeks of the season, I would think I'm assuming field in that point, you're not waiting and taking him as your RB two. He's a high upside RB three or a high upside flex play for you. So hopefully yeah, would not exactly be the kind of player that I would be targeting. If I'm going zero RB strategy, correct. right? Here's, you need to be prepared for him either being a part-time player or potentially even missing games at, at the least beginning of the season, yep. despite the optimism emanating from Sean Payton's Here, mouth. There, right one now. more thing. You also look at the style of the player when you're looking at these recoveries i mean he is a power like break tackles very physical player there is no way to replicate that in conditioning and training like if you're not doing contact stuff so without him playing against you know in joint practices and really having somebody come after him and really games because a lot of times in joint practices they're not going full to the ground tackle etc that is going there's acclimation to that and that slows you down it's like basically adding another weight um you know you're dragging defenders with you that makes it a lot harder to run you can look fantastic in all of the lead up to getting back to play and then those things can change your performance metrics in ways that make you look like a different player than you were pre-injury so i would just say it would not be fair for us to expect him to be the same player out of the gate um and i would plan on that not being the case at least for the first half of the season wow all right so finally let's talk about jk dobbins he has been on the pup list with a knee injury he's also Mm. unhappy with his contract the ravens are unhappy that he's missed more games than he's played since they drafted him so that part is kind of a tough situation to be able to figure out. What are we doing right now with J.K. Dobbins? Because I, it feels like a stay away situation you for me. You just got to look at the language. You're, you're reading the language from the coach, John Harbaugh, saying, you know, it's up to J.K. He looks great. You know, and, and what does that tell you? What does it, that make, mean? it makes it sound like, it, yes, you have to have an injury to be on the pup list. So there is something that is keeping him there. But it could be as much as the player saying, my knee doesn't feel quite right yet. I'm not ready to practice. I mean, it's hard to know we are not there. Um, certainly, J.K. Dobbins has not shied away from being expressing his frustration with his contract situation. Uh, now, Harbaugh most recently said he expects him to return soon. But these reports are just vague. And so... Uh, I don't know what that means. I remember he finished last year looking much, much better after he had that second arthroscopic surgery, cleared up the scar tissue. 
I, I'm not thinking this is as much of a physical issue as, you know. Field, uh, this He's is got, um, more things. It's uh, what, what did Shefty call it recently with you and I? Contractitis? Um, yeah, that's what it was. I was going to say, <laughs> Extensionitis? Like, what leverage does he have in the situation? Like, if he had played more games, if they had seen more of how he can, but like, he's missed more games than he's played in his career. Here's what I'll say is why that I don't know if as far as the, con- but remember, this is a guy who got hurt in the preseason. And so he might be thinking, without, if I'm not getting paid, like, I'm definitely not going not out, out there, there until we get to week one. All right. There are players Yikes. that have significant amount, amounts of leverage, right? If you're Nick Bosa right now and you're the reigning okay. defensive player of the year, or if you're Chris Jones and you're the Chiefs' probably third best player behind Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Chris Jones is racking up the Zach Martin, right now. And you're one of the greatest guards of the past 20 years. Fair. You've got leverage. You can play hardball. You can mispractice it in the case of both Chris Jones and also, uh, Zach Barton, be fined $50,000 a day that is absolutely non-negotiable. When you are J.K. Dobbins and you've missed more games than you've played and you're coming off of a season in which you are hurt and you play running back, which is the hardest position in the NFL to get paid at right now, this is not the time to play hardball. This is about the contract. I think the injury is worth mentioning because he has had that durability concern in the past but this is about the contract and i think the problem with jk dobbins as we discussed in our afc north preview last week is simply this if he is the guy if he does get paid great for him the question is in an offense that has not thrown the ball to running backs hardly at all over the past couple of years that now has a fully healthy gus edwards Mm -hmm. who the ravens love they gave melvin gordon a real contract this offseason there are going to be other backs to contribute as well jk dobbins might be one of the most explosive runners in the nfl but if he's not going to catch that many passes, he's going to split carries and seed potential goal line work to other backs. How much of a ceiling is there for J.K. Dobbins over the course of the season? The yes, answer Edwards, is probably not. By the way, also another year removed. Remember, he had an injury, too, coming into last yep. year. And we know that for 90-plus percent of these running backs, one year removed from uh, major knee injury, they are much, much better um, yeah. in terms of their performance metric. doesn't surprise me at all that he's feeling better. So uh, Gus Edwards could be somebody to watch. I, I am, uh, you know, as as much as I don't want to say I'm out on a player, J.K. Dobbins is one of the guys that I am the most nervous about drafting to my fantasy team this year. All right, two more running backs here, Stefania. We're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor. You were not here, unfortunately, when this went down. Otherwise, we would have talked about it <laughs> the entire time. Obviously, it got quickly Ugly very quickly. Makes yeah. me sad. Jonathan Taylor has demanded a trade after Jim Ursay waded into the running back conversation on Twitter. That's what it was called at the time, so I'm going to call it Twitter still. <laughs> it did not go well. Now he is rehabbing away from the team. Fielders, let us know, just in case you were curious. Usually when you rehab away from the team this close to the season, it's not uh, the best warm and fuzzies that you're feeling between everybody. So what's the latest on JT, and how much do we need to be nervous as fantasy managers that this might linger into potentially the regular season? Well, just from the straight injury perspective, we know that the ankle injury is what ended up really hurting his entire season. He got hurt early in the season, tried to play through it. It probably, if you think about it, contributed to the source of his frustration. This is what these running backs do. They do it all the time. They try and play through these injuries, and it hurts their performance. So while everybody is complaining about how they're not performing up to their standard, they're trying to gut it out through an injury that's keeping them from performing up to their standard, but yet they're trying to be out there for the team. Ultimately, after week 15, he was not able to continue. He had arthroscopic surgery in January to get the ankle right and called it, I think the words were, a perfect success. Uh, So I'll admit to being a little bit surprised that he opened the season on PUP because surgery in January, scope, you know, you thought... Contract, itis. Yeah, well... And pissed off at my owner, Itis. I, if, I mean, <laughs> but the team has to have a reason to put you on pup, and he was actually, you know, engaged in rehab. So I, I, I wouldn't say there's nothing there, and there was probably an element of we're going to gradually introduce the workload, not because he couldn't have done it if it was middle of the season, but there's no reason to overload him early and risk a setback. Right, and then the contract stuff mixed in with it. As far as being away from the facility, uh, Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts for us, said he's expected back at the facility this week. This week yep. So we will see if that happens. Uh, this is a wait and see, folks. I really don't know is- from the injury perspective. I can't say much about it. I will say this. 
Uh, I've talked with Jonathan Taylor. You were there. I was there with uh, you. We, he, he is one, again, I put him in that Cooper Cup category of just incredible mm-hmm. attention to how he takes care of himself. And before this ankle injury, he was like the Christian McCaffrey. He didn't have an injury in college. All the way back to like high he school. Didn't, yeah. right? and he would never miss time. He never missed practice. I think these are the things that really crush a player. And you guys know I'm sympathetic to the running back situation. Uh, you know, people accuse me of not under... Uh, I'm no business person, but I get it. I get that the market doesn't favor them, but I'm still going to have empathy for them because their window is short. They grind it out. They play hurt, and they don't get rewarded. Somebody like Jonathan Taylor doesn't get rewarded for all the healthy years he brought to get to this point. So yeah. um, I think, unfortunately, this is, this could go. I, do you think he'll hold out? I think it's possible. Yeah, I think and it's possible, I'm, too. I, I don't want to sound dismissive when I say contractitis. I just think that if I had asked you two months ago if you thought that Jonathan Taylor would be on the PUP list, absent something taking place that we hadn't already learned, you'd be like, probably not. Probably not. And if I told you right now that uh, there was a pie chart that we were examining, it feels like maybe 80% of this, if not more, is about the contract standstill that he and the team are in. Mm. And, I mean, it sounded like the Colts... Remember this. Two days before training camp, their GM, Chris Ballard, he was asked. He did not pass his physical. I mean, it, you're getting into a territory where you have to. I'm not uh, blaming the player. Two days before training camp, the GM was asked, anybody going to be on the PUP list to begin? And he named two players. Said, We're going to have just two guys. Jonathan Taylor is not one of those two guys. It's just, it's, this is, I really believe, so much more about the contract. I'm not dismissing the ankle. It was a thing that really bothered him last year. But I think we all know that the primary driving force behind his absence at the moment is he wants to get traded, and this team's been treating him like they don't deserve to be treating him because he's been their best player, at least on offense, for the past three seasons and uh, deserves better uh, from a franchise that, frankly, hasn't had a whole lot to be proud of over the past few years. So then from an injury perspective, not worried about potentially the injury for drafting him within fantasy, but it's more the holdout perspective I, at I this point. I don't think so, but again, I, you know... I. There's, not that there's not an there's, injury there. There's more to passing a physical because now you're involving the medical staff. Sure. And, you know, I'd be very uh, reluctant to say that they'd be complicit in something and not pass him on a physical for any reason other than not passing him on the physical because physically he's not meeting it for some reason. So uh, those two things can definitely, like, if there's a, a problem going on with the organization, I mean, it can certainly compound things, but... I would love to see that he's back and cleared, and then it becomes a question of how much is he going to actually do or if he does anything for the preseason. I, I, I feel like he's a, a guy who is very, has such strong convictions, and because I know about how he takes care of himself and how he feels, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him to start the season. And that, from a fantasy perspective, would be a bigger worry for me. Biggest risk right now in fantasy football. I've already moved him down to RB9. Um, Significant flight risk for a player. And again, I think this, if he had a contract in hand tomorrow, or if he got traded to a different team tomorrow, I'd feel totally different. I'd expect him to be 100% Jonathan Taylor. But for now, because of the situation, I have moved him down my running back ranks. All right, Stefania, let's talk Brees Hall. Last running back here towards ACL in week seven last year. He is still on the pup list. We've been hearing about that straight line speed. But for running backs, it's not just about straight line speed. Give me the details on his start and stop, his cutting. What does it look like with him doing all the other running back stuff? You know, I loved Robert Salo and he was the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. And he was such a, you know, because he was like a get after it, total motivator. Um, and I think that's translated into him being like a super optimistic coach when he's yeah. talking about players. You start looking at the track record of when he's like, oh, he's going to be back in like a week or two. Zach Wilson, that didn't happen. You know, it's there are times where he puts things out there and I'm like, eh, maybe not so fast. So uh, the Brees Hall thing is interesting because you have to start looking at where we are with time. All the reports have been great. Uh, I think his recovery has been fairly smooth. You know, there's been nothing but good reports, but he's still on the physically enabled to perform list. He yes. has not been activated yet. So that's fine. Everything, you know, and Salah keeps saying, oh, you know, he's, he's going to be ready for week one. And Robert Salah at the time of the Hall of Fame game said he expected him to be activated in a couple of weeks. So let's look at the calendar. The Hall mm-hmm. of Fame game last uh Thursday, so technically, or not, or two ago. So technically, that couple weeks would come this Thursday, Thursday, right? But guess what happens? 
joint practices. And probably not the first time you're going to bring a player after not doing anything, right. you're not going to insert him into joint practices. So joint practices, game, weekend. Okay. Now you're looking at next week for him to maybe really start doing things. And you don't typically come back and do everything. You graduate, and, and, and the Jets do this. You graduate into a num certain number of reps with team drills, and you're working your way up. So let's say that he starts with a few practices. Does he play in that last preseason game? I don't know. That would be after only maybe three practices. Three practices to ramp up from zero practice. Are you putting him in that game? Sure. Okay. And if you don't, then that means the first time that he deals with real football activity is when the season starts. If you think that he's going to be ready by week one. So just if you do the calculations of the time, because this is what I've been trying to figure out, it's hard for me to go from zero practice to ready to compete uh, in such a short time frame. Now, yeah. it doesn't mean it can't happen, but then I start getting into other things I'm worried about, like how much football has he actually done? Because forget the ACL. If I told you a player just showed up at camp um, remember when Le'Veon Bell was holding out and we started talking about what happens if he just comes in for the final few days of practice and then the season starts? Mm. Everyone's worried about him getting hurt. Everyone's worried because he hasn't ramped up. He hasn't gotten acclimated to football. Now all of a sudden he's going to be playing. But yet we're not having that same conversation around a guy coming off an ACL where you would think the ramp up is that much more important. Sure. So all I, I think when I put it all together, what I say is his recovery has been really good. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see him back in practices soon. I think, who knows, maybe he suits up even for week one. But if the Jets really stick to the acclimation and progression, that means Brees Hall is not doing a full workload anytime soon and probably is going to be eased into activity over the start of the season. I love him for the second half because mm. I think there's a ton of potential there. But I'm the, the calendar right now, we're running out of time for, yeah, the start for, of the year. for week one. And that doesn't include field. The Jets brought in Dalvin Cook, obviously, for a visit we're waiting to see whether or not another back gets added to this roster. And that's like, there are so many moving parts here for Brees Hall. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Jets fan, you're probably sitting there watching the game over the weekend saying, why bother spending money on another back when our young backs continue to they look, look good. Really great. But the prevailing yeah. theme to me continues to be this. I have a hard time believing the Jets will use Brees Hall at a hundred percent capacity from week one moving forward, not because he's not making great progress and not because everything Stefania just outlined, but because you have to protect the player as Stefania just alluded to. So perhaps, perhaps in week four, Brees Hall is that full Voltron Brees Hall. But I just think you have to have a plan for the beginning of the season, manage expectations, yes. construct a roster accordingly. I think this is a better conversation around when we were talking about if you're going to draft Javante Williams, you got to make sure you have someone the first couple of weeks of the season. Brees Hall, I think, is a better conversation for that. If you're drafting Brees Hall, you're using an early running back pick on this guy. You're playing in, I mean, he's going to be one of the top 20 running backs off the board, but you may not be able to start him as your RB2 right off the board. So having somebody else there, I think, would be really valuable for you. Uh, we got one last injury before we move on here. Fields, you actually hurt yourself <laughs> from the last oh, time no. that we did a podcast. Wait, playing through pain right now, so you actually can't oh, see so it. You're the John Taylor of makeup the podcast. Makeup is on right now, but there is a scratch right down the side oh, of my wow. face. I got like the Harry Potter on my left cheek here. Stop. One of just, you know, was hanging out with know. one of the my daughters over the weekend. Yeah, well. look at that. See, <laughs> so the next time someone questions my toughness, just points into August 14th, 2023, <laughs> when I made it through an entire podcast. That's right. I'm closing in on it because I had a big scratch down my face. And shout out to the makeup department here at ESPN oh. for, uh, it's like the porcelain skin right now that isn't actually porcelain skin. So I'm <laughs> glad that I survived the first two thirds of the show. I'm going to power through my last <laughs> one third of the show to prove that I am as tough as it gets as, as far as podcast place. professionals are concerned uh, just but just i think it's important to summarize this like hearing stefania it's clear the concern for javante williams is different than the concern for Brees hall yes not trying to assign more or less i think there was a point this offseason where it seemed very clear to me that you were more concerned about javante in week one than Brees hall in week one but it feels like a different type of concern yeah, it's just a more complex injury. I honestly just, you don't see guys recover this quickly from that. Yeah. And obviously, you know, everybody's confident. He, his surgeon, Dan Cooper, who's Dallas Cowboys um, orthopedist, and who's very, very good at these surgeries. I mean, 
the clearance is happening for a reason. They must be comfortable yeah. with it. But the transition to the functionality, that is... I get a little nervous. I'm not going to lie the for this volume, reason. The volume. Yeah. It, and it's the associated things, right? Um, people ask, well, you worry he's going to re-injure his... Not necessarily. It's not that. Pull a hamstring. Uh, do You know, it's other things that that's typically what we see when guys are coming back and doing too much too soon following a multi-league knee injury. And I'm not trying to dismiss the words of anybody involved who is discussing these various running back injuries. What do you expect these people to say, though? Right. I went back and read some of the comments following Saquon's return from an ACL. And it was all about, like, you know, there were so many glowing, rosy, optimistic thoughts about Saquon. You know, he can defy the odds. He's Saquon Barkley, number two overall pick in the draft, physical freak. All those things are true. It's also true that he's coming back from a major injury that Stefania has pointed out in the past. You often see a much more familiar version of that player the second year off of the ACL tear and the first year off of the ACL tear. So despite the optimism surrounding Javante Williams, I continue to be more pessimistic and more concerned and frankly, more confused about where he fits into the fantasy football running back ranks than with Brees Hall, just because it has felt like from the beginning, this was a slightly more straightforward injury that Brees Hall is recovering from. All right, field. We're going to pay some bills. Come back, talk about Stefania's camp updates. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? I would love that. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV, even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Football is back. Catch every pass, every tackle, and every heart-pounding play live and in person thanks to our go-to ticket source, Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats delivers great deals on great seats, and they have your back with their 100% buyer guarantee. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code FFF. That's code FFF. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. We're going to do a uh, Stefania training camp roundup right here, but just wanted to take a quick moment to say uh, I don't know how robust our audience is for those that live uh, in the great state of Hawaii, but especially those on Maui thinking of you right now. Obviously, it's been just an absolutely gut-wrenching week there out on the islands, one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. But if you're out there, if you have someone that's been impacted by uh, just the awful wildfires over the past week, we are thinking of you, and hopefully Fantasy Focus can be just a teeny tiny reprieve from what has been otherwise a really, really sad week. Yep, absolutely, Field. All right, Stefania. You flew out to the Bay Area. No, you, maybe not the Bay Area. Where were the 49ers doing training camp at? Mm-hmm. Bay Area. The Bay Area. Yeah. All right, so you got to go exactly where you wanted to. What is it that we got to learn at 49ers training camp? You didn't actually talk to anyone or touch anybody in person, did you? I talked with Brock Purdy. Oh, great. Yeah. Me and him chatted. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Lance. Moving up the Trey chart. Lance starting quarterback <laughs> under, under, Undertaker gif right now, right? Yeah. I'll you tell you one thing about yeah. Brock Purdy. He's like Teflon, man. I don't think anything gets that kid. He is so yeah. – He is his personality was built for this. And we saw it last year, but things didn't phase him, right? He just came in and sort of just took the reins and ran with it. Everything was fine up until the – Mike Clay's Mean Eagles hurt him. That's what it was. And uh, then yep. we couldn't go on in the Super Bowl, which we would have been destined to do. But yeah. anyway, I digress. Uh, Brock Purdy obviously tore his UCL, and that was the topic of conversation, what was going to happen, and then who was going to be the quarterback for the 49ers. Well, um, if you haven't heard this by now, is Brock Purdy, and he's doing just fine. His, re- his recovery has been really, really smooth. Um, and talking with him, you know, and if you see the sound bites of him talking in general, he's like, you know, he'll always say, I feel good, I feel good. But he, we got down into the nitty-gritty a little bit when I was talking with him. He said, you know, the only thing he feels is when he wakes up in the morning, it's a little bit tight and a little bit, as soon as he warms up and gets the blood going and everything, it's gone. It feels like a normal elbow. That's pretty remarkable when you think about the fact that this is just months removed. I mean, this procedure did not exist until a few years ago. <laughs> and now... This has changed the trajectory. Nick Mullins, who hurt his elbow the same way when he was playing with the 49ers. If you saw Nick Mullins out there playing this weekend, I was so happy for him playing for the Vikings now. So I'm in a preseason game Mm -hmm. throwing great. And when uh, Nick Wagner and I did a story about the details of Brock's injury and, and what he was going through, 
you know, talked with Nick Mullins for that piece. And he said, you know, the one thing I'd go back and tell myself would be just trust in the elbow. But he had a hard time trusting because there was no NFL quarterback who had had that exact procedure before. Well, Nick Mullins could talk to Brock and they have spoken. And I think that has really helped him just knowing that somebody else went through it. And they're fine and they're playing. Mm. And so he, you know, he he has a lot of trust in Dr. Keith Meister, who did the surgery. Uh, he works with a guy named Tom Gormley, who is a physical therapist in Florida, who actually works with throwers, kind of developed a niche of working on throwing mechanics with football players. Because, you know, if you follow baseball at all, and you, do, you don't have to follow it closely to know the pitchers all offseason, they're working on mechanics. They're working on volume of throwing. They're working on everything, their spin rate and their velocity. And all, that's what you expect pitchers to work on. You know what NFL quarterbacks typically do? I don't. They mechanics? take time off. Yeah. Oh, well, like, they're, right. they're, <laughs> like they're not working on those things. They really haven't. They just, they know how to throw it. They kind of pick up the ball again before they're coming back. And they're conditioning and training, don't get me wrong, but they're not typically working on arm things or total body mechanics is kind of like you've you've either decided who you are or you're not well this guy has really um gotten into the weeds with data on that and looked at how can you continue to improve mechanics and now he's working with a lot of guys before they go to the combine guess who one of them was brock purdy Mm. the reason that matters because he had all kinds of data and metrics on brock's throwing Mm. before he was hurt so what better to compare it to after injury as he's progressing than the data that you had before he was ever hurt? So Brock was back with him through the entire month of July before right up until training camp. And uh, I spoke with Tom and he told me basically he's back to all the all the things, uh, the numbers, the performance the throws he's able to make are back to what he was pre-injury. It's just a matter of him getting integrated into football. So, uh, you know, everybody's done a really good job with him. The 49ers, medical staff working with him, uh, Tom working with him. And Brock has the comfort to know, hey, the guy who I trained with, who really worked with me before I got to the, you know, to the NFL, uh, he's telling me that everything I did before is the same. So he came to camp very comfortable with where he's at. And I think it's showed and, and there's been really no discussion of it being anybody else. The restrictions are going to be removed this week. Brock Purdy will be practicing every day, and he's going to be your guy. I want to ask just a fan question, and this maybe is like a little bit inflammatory. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest about that. But like Brock Purdy coming in as the seventh-round draft pick, now being the starter for this team after what was a, a fairly big injury, how bad must Trey Lance be? That you're not able to get on the field after everything that you use. It's not like we're talking about Brock Purdy like he's Patrick Mahomes or he's the next guy. Like, he's a seventh rounder. How bad must Trey Lance be that he can't make the starting, like this team as the starter over a guy that they took as the very last pick in the draft? It's a confluence of variables, though. It's really, it's it's hard because Trey Lance got hurt. He broke his index finger. If you read, read Nick's stuff, it changed his whole mechanics. He was off. Comes back, starts last year. What does he have? A monsoon the first time. You know, that game doesn't count. He ends up breaking his ankle very quickly, and then he's done for the year. And and done. So you take a kid who didn't hardly play much, but, you know, coming into the NFL. So he's really not been in football. You know what Brock's done? He's played a ton of football. Played a ton in college. He played a lot more football. Like, I think that's where part of the confidence of Brock. I don't think Brock thought of himself as, as that guy. Mr. Irrelevant. I yeah. think he thought of himself as like, I'm an NFL quarterback, and when I get my chance, I'll show everyone I am. Trey Lance looked timid to me in the in the brief, you know, bit that I saw with him with the Raiders. And and being at camp, you saw some beautiful things and yes, saw some things that didn't look so good. And I think that's just a function of where he's at. All right. We're gonna keep moving on really quickly. We've got to pick up the pace a little bit. I do want to ask you about Brandon Ayuk. A lot of buzz on Brandon Ayuk this training camp. Here's what it's like. Great chemistry between him and Brock Purdy. Brandon Ayuk, like I was saying that uh, Tua said that about Jalen Waddell. Yep. Everybody talking about Brandon Ayuk having the best camp so far. Remember a couple years ago when there was the him and Shanahan, the headbutting, mm-hmm. it didn't look good. It could have gone one of two ways. Um, and it luckily went in the right direction. He really took all that to heart. He's become he was already a good route runner in college. He was kind of known for that. And I think he's just become sharper, better. Uh, like I said, the catches he's making in practice are phenomenal and Purdy's looking for him all the time. Like Brendan Ayuk to me has a chance to take even another step this year. Love that.
All right. Let's talk about Cowboys camp, Stefania. Is there anything you can tell me about Tony Pollard? Because I'm excited about him. He's in his first full year as a starter. He's already an RB1 for us as fantasy managers. Yeah, the concern was him coming off the tightrope surgery that he had. He had a broken uh, fibula as well. They didn't repair that, um, didn't need to, healed on his own. Uh, and he looked good. You know, the, the nice thing... All the guys we were talking about in the injury segment, it was like, when are they coming back? What kind of volume are they getting? Tony Pollard has just moved right in. Kate didn't come in on the pup list, been doing everything at camp. Uh, you know, they did work him up in terms of reps and such, but uh, he's their guy. He's clearly the number clearly one guy. guy. Now, the, the question for fantasy purposes is going to be, um, you know, what happens? Like, it, there was the split with him and Zeke, and so he provided an, a, quite a different running running yes. style than Zeke Zeke on the old you know we had all that conversation last year but the point is could can he be that guy on his own I don't know and I don't know that they necessarily want him to be do they have yeah. another running back that they would be splitting time with there that you have like you, have you seen Deuce Vaughn like I, I, I don't think this kid was it's out of Ronald the Jones. gate they weren't think they weren't thinking that this kid could really be something but I'm telling you when I was there I was like watching him like who is he He's tiny. He's 5'5". Five five. He makes he's Tony Pollard look big. He, 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 I mean, it was just, I have this great picture of him with a fan favorite. Everybody's just yelling for him. Night, but you know, when you go to these practices, you see the guys who work at 110% every yep. single play. It stands out. They run through, you know, they're blowing the whistle because they have the refs there. They run all the way to the end zone. They are doing everything they can to make it count on every single play. That is Deuce Vaughn. He's elusive. He's much quicker than you think when you see him in a... I think he's making a good case to be the number two. I I, I know. 5-5. Five, five. Makes me think of Darren Sproles without knowing a whole lot more. Well, something about Kansas State and these guys, just these pint-sized athletes, whether it was Darren Sproles, yeah. now Deuce Vaughn, Marquise yeah, Noel during the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think the question would be that uh, if you're going to add a complimentary back to Tony Pollard because of his size and his receiving skill set, it would be somebody like Zeke Elliott, right? right. Who, by the, the way, there's guy. a chance yeah, that he does there's resign. Still a chance. It feels like Deuce Vaughn would kind of be more the backup to Tony Pollard than the complementary piece to Tony Pollard. So it'll be interesting to see if Dallas does address it over the next three weeks. Um, currently, what the Cowboys are saying versus what their actions are don't really align that much. So as of right now, Tony Pollard is one of my favorite RB1 targets just because unbelievable receiver, Second amongst all running backs in terms of yards per catch last year. Got to go minimum of 20 catches because there are some guys that had like two catches for 85 yards or something. Um, and then seventh amongst running backs with at least 50 carries in terms of yards per carry. He's an extremely explosive player. That much we know in this Cowboys offense should be very, very good. Let's go to yeah. the Dolphins. What did you find out there? Uh, well, uh, Tua is confident. Please be he healthy. Is, uh, yeah, you know, I think I think he's looking. The number one thing is I think he's looking to move on. Like he he's talked it out yeah. about everything that's happened. He's made his decisions after consulting with all of the medical personnel and his family, and he feels very strongly about where he's at right now. It's been reported by a number of folks about how he did the off season uh, martial arts training, really like learning how to fall. That was, that was a question was, you know, he always seemed to go to the ground. All his injuries were the head hitting the ground. You know, w was there something he could do? I think when you talk to the people who are there every day, they've seen some differences and when he goes down and bounces back up. But I think the thing, it was interesting to me to talk to Raheem Moster and Jalen Waddle about what they're seeing in Tua and everything is about him being more vocal, him being more confident. Uh, Raheem Oster talked about him being locked in in a zone and just uh, the, the way he's working, they all feel better around him. I, I noticed that there's been a lot of reports about, oh, you know, the interceptions and this. I still go back to them, Mike McDaniel and coaches like him saying, this is a chance where we practice things. You see what yeah. works, you see what doesn't. Mm. Uh, because when they look good, they look really, really good. Um, I think, uh, you know, I really like Tua, you know, coming into this year from a medical standpoint, zero concerns right now. I, I really like him. Uh, Raheem Mostert, I mean, he's listed as number one back on their depth chart. It's pretty amazing. Last year was like a one-year experiment. Yeah. But I think Mike McDaniel knew how to utilize him. It's not a great fantasy situation. It's going to be a shared responsibility. And Mostert basically confirmed it. It's 
wonderful for the Dolphins because they're going to preserve their running backs that way. It's not great for fantasy. If you're taking a Dolphins running back field, I'm taking Jeff Wilson over Raheem Mostert. What about uh, you? I'm going to grab a coin. I'm going to write Jeff Wilson <laughs> okay, on one all right, side that's fair. and Raheem Mostert on the other side and flip that coin How and take that player. You? Raheem Mostert, I love this guy. There's no, I didn't uh, say I didn't love I Raheem Mostert. But I will say, Mostert. like, Devin Achain. Achain? Devon Achain. Achain. Devon Achain. Yeah. Yeah. A-chain. A-chain. I shouldn't. No. I should be a little hyphen between yeah. the A and the chain. That's right. Remember. Two chains. Here's, here's what I know. He is speedy. Yep. He is fun to watch. Yep. It was one of the practice that, you know, they were practicing against Atlanta. Had a nice little uh, touchdown reception from mm, Skylar Thompson. There and you go. Looked like, just looked the part. So uh, somebody who could make noise as the season goes on. I think at some point we'll do a show that highlights the probably like five to seven backfields where a lot of talent. But fantasy potential traps. Really and tough. The Dolphins might be one of them just yeah. because of exactly what you just said. A lots of guys you know, that can play. You know who else is there? Robbie Chosen. Stop Robbie Chosen. You buy into the hype? No. 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 We no. know he he certainly makes his presence known. A little scuffle with yeah, the Falcons, yeah. a little that. He you know, he's he's there. I'll this this is why everyone should go to a training camp. Like, go to your local one if you get a chance. Because when you see how differently receivers are built, it is the most amazing thing. Is it not? Like you well, see, in the sense that he's take, like two sticks. He's, he's like two little <laughs> Pez dispensers for life. My calf is like three of his. Stop. <laughs> No, I don't. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not. Now, to be I, fair, you I, do have did you, <laughs> great caps. Did you line up next to Matt Collins? Because I feel like Matt Collins has gotten pretty yoked over yeah, the Matt over Con- Matt Collins is like the most jacked wide receiver in the NFL right now. I just see Robbie go down and, and a pile, and I'm like, oh, my God, his leg's going to break. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. That's not what we want. Um, All right, Stefania, let's talk about Durant at some point. I, my <laughs> man is. Yeah, that's he's a, Yeah, but he's not playing tackle football. That's true. That's true. Let's close this out with the Falcons, Stefania. Everybody wants to know, Kyle Pitts. Is Kyle Pitts going to be Kyle Pitts this year? Is he healthy? You know, I'm going to die on this hill, but uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Actions and words do not match. That's all I can tell you because there's not enough, you know, people talk about not enough tape to judge a guy. There's not enough tape, in air quotes, to judge what Kyle Pitts is at this moment. Mm. Here's a guy who had surgery, I will remind you, in November, November, for what the team described as an MCL tear. That is something that I would have expected him to be participating fully at minicamp in June. Not only did he do nothing in minicamp, he comes in to the training camp and is doing very little. Mm. All I can tell you is what I saw. I tried to watch him, and I stood out in that 115-degree heat index on the far side of the field where there's no shade just so I could watch Kyle Pitts. He's wearing a large functional brace, which is not typically something you see post-MCL. So immediately I'm like, hmm, this doesn't totally fit. Yeah. And most skill guys, they don't want to wear a big functional brace. They want to shed it as quickly as they can. So my mind starts asking questions. Why is he wearing this? Why is he wearing it so late? What is going on? Okay, so that's number one. Number two, why is his volume of work so low? I'd watch like a series of team drills. He'd do one rep. He was participating, enjoying practice. He had a couple mm. good catches. But I never felt like I saw him running at 100%. The volume of work is low. He hasn't played. Uh, okay, maybe he plays in the next preseason game. I, I don't know what to expect. But if what you're telling me, which is what basically Atlanta has said all along, and no one's really challenged them on this, um, Locally, I mean, Arthur Smith says the line over and over is I'm happy with where Kyle Pitts is at. Kind of like we expect all our starters by week one. There's really not been anything more specific than that. And I ask you again, it's kind of like we're talking about running backs earlier. If the volume of work is solo, think about any other player. Forget that you're talking about Kyle Pitts and how, you know, you you think of him differently because of the athletic uh, freak that he is. If you if I gave you another player and I said he had surgery in November, I expect it to be, you know, four months, six months tops and he's fully ready to go. And I'm still not seeing him do much in the second week of training camp. Can you honestly tell me you're not concerned at all about this? A little this? bit concerned. Well, I mean, you that's part of why we say, have missed tight end seven, too. On top of your concern too. about the quarterback play, or the utilization, and things like that. But uh, I had not heard anybody talk about Kyle Pitts and the potential injury concerns. So uh, color me intrigued. Yeah. I would just say something to watch. Now, here's the thing. Because he's Kyle Pitts, maybe he comes out in week one, he looks amazing, and we're all sitting there going, well, see, there it was, and he's uh, a unicorn. it's fine. That's, yep. But 
I would I would go back to this. The NFL has an acclimation period for a reason. Why is it that guys come in and they have days of conditioning before they even put on pads? Why is it that they ramp up practice time? It's because they're increasing volume and intensity to avoid increased injury risk during the season. So I ask you, if you are a player coming off injury, and don't forget he had a hamstring injury earlier in the season last year, and you have such low volume and such low work going into the season, are you really going to all of a sudden be a full volume guy and be at no risk for injury as the season goes on? And not zero, because nobody's at zero. But you know, you get what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. Yep. I'm more concerned not about does he look great in week one, two, or three if he's playing. I'm worried about what happens as the season goes along. That's a serious question, and a guy that we have so much excitement for. It's just being able to see it realized on the field is something, I don't know, we saw some of it as rookie year, but there's still a lot more potential, I feel like, left with Kyle Pitts, so I'm excited to see how that plays out this year. Field, anything, final takeaways really quickly from Stefania's Fantasy notebook. Football uh, no, no, she, there's she so covers many things, all right like there, everything. so we're, yeah. uh, we're in business uh, on Stefania's. I'm Zach sure Ertz cleared for full contact, full football, by the way. Okay, that's All good. Right. We'll Love discuss that. more on Zach Ertz. Fantasy the, football uh, marathon. Yes, marathon. It starts at 7 p.m. Eastern time today, all over ESPN for the following 27 hours after yes. that. Can't wait for the fantasy football marathon. That's right. 7 to 10, excuse me, 7 to 11 p.m. <laughs> Eastern Where today. Go. Stick around. Come and hang out with us on ESPN. We love you guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. You have earned that. We cannot wait to see you later today on ESPN 1 from 7 to 11 Eastern for our season preview. Fantasy football now. Love you guys. We'll see you then. Peace. She's got a smile that'll melt your heart She's always there to lend a helping hand Her fantasy knowledge is just the start Her skills are highly in demand She's our Bay Area lady Out there hustling for us advice that we really trust Bay Area lady always there to help she's not a cone she's your favorite gal she's to find your best